We're actually going to come to the last installment of this, this uh, series we've been in all, all semester called Cross Culture. Talking about and talking through things that we all uh, struggle with. And the reason we called it Cross Culture is because we're saying that, and we, no, we're, not, we're not saying, we believe the Scripture to say that Christians are, as the Bible presents them, people who believe and understand that they are sinners before God, God is holy, we are not, and we know that we need saving from our sins, and our sins warp us and, and uh, mar us, mar our hearts, and um, warp our desires, pervert our desires so much. We, we need saving from our sins, and we know, uh, believers in, in Christ, we know that we cannot save ourselves we believe the scriptures to teach that jesus christ lived he's god who took on human flesh and he lived a perfect life in our place died in our place rose again on the third day in our place and for that reason we we have uh, we have been set free from our sins uh in a threefold way when we come to jesus in repentance and faith we have been because of his life and death and his resurrection, we have been set free from the penalty of our sins. We, 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 are, we, don't, we can lay our head on the pillow at night totally at peace with God because of Jesus Christ. All, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, there's not a... The, yeah, I mean, the, I, I think in pictures, and I've told you this picture before i just i every time i say it i think of this image in my mind as of a, a mighty rushing river coming at me like a dam broke and it's just the water is coming at me and uh and it, this the it's the it's the flood of god's wrath coming at me because of my sins but what jesus has done for me is is is, is it manifests itself in this picture as if right before that flood of water hits me um the ground in front of me opens up and it just swallows up all that water and not even the mist hits me, you know? That's like just no condemnation whatsoever. You have peace with God, Romans 5.1. We've been saved in that way. We've been saved from the power of our sins, even, even now. That's the whole point of this whole, whole, uh, the whole ser uh, series. We talk about these different things we struggle with because we all struggle with them. Uh, we all hold up our own version of our own the masks that we want people to believe that we are, but we're all the same people. We all have the same uh, shortcomings, the same struggles, the same weaknesses. Might as well be honest with each other, but, but Christ has saved us from the, the, the power of those things over us, meaning not whether we're ever going to struggle with them, but he, is, he has given us his Holy Spirit that helps us to, um, to fight against those things those uh those weaknesses in our lives and overcome them one day when he returns we'll be safe from the very presence of sin Man, i can't even imagine what that would be like not just the presence of sin around us but in my own heart not a not a not a wicked impulse not a weak impulse not a everything would be a truly right impulse in my heart that's that's amazing and 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 the, the Christians believe that. I know we, Christians believe that, that we we 
We ought to be, what's the reason they call it cross-culture, we ought to be as a culture of people of the cross, a unique culture on all the face of the earth. Nobody else um, should be quite like Christians. And we're deeply grateful uh, that the Bible describes us as being in Christ and a new creation. And we ought to be humble about ourselves, humble about who we are, honest about who we are. Because we know that our hope is not on who I can fool you into believing I am, but who I am in Jesus. And in Jesus, I am as I am as loved and accepted and blessed before God the Father as Jesus Christ Himself is, because I'm I'm in Him. And uh, this this uh, this semester, we've been talking about these things and then breaking up into groups and praying for each other because uh, we want to live out what we're talking about. And the more we talk with each other and just I open up with you about the things I struggle with, and then I pray for you, and you pray for me. The more we talk about them, mass comes down, and the power of those things over us begins to weaken. And not because anything magical is happening, but like I've said many, many times, and I'm intentionally repetitive in this series, that Satan works in secret. Satan works in darkness and, um, and, and secrecy. So we want to be out loud about our weaknesses. All right, to remind ourselves of the truth of the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ, every week we've been reciting together the answer to a question from the Heidelberg Catechism written about 500 years ago. I want us to do that again tonight. Question 60 of that uh, catechism asks, How are you right with God? And here is the answer that we say together. Only by true faith in Jesus Christ even though my conscience accuses me of having grievously sinned against all God's commandments and of never having kept any of them, and even though I am still inclined toward all evil, nevertheless, without my deserving it at all, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ, as if I had never sinned nor been a sinner, as if I had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me. All I need to do is to accept the gift of God with a believing heart. Let's pray. Father, we, we, we accept this gift with a believing heart. I pray that there's somebody in this room that, uh, doesn't, that doesn't know yet if if that's what they believe or what they even want to believe. Um, first of all, thank you that that person is here tonight. And I pray that, uh, that beginning this night, they might go, yes, that is what I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that I cannot save myself. I believe that Jesus Christ came to save me from my sins. And all I need to do is accept what he has done for me with a believing heart and turn away from my sins and put my whole trust in him. Pray there's somebody here that needs to do that. And tonight would be the day to do that. Help all of us that have trusted Christ be conformed evermore into the image of, of Jesus in our own personal lives. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we've come through the semester, we've already thought about several things that we all struggle with. We've talked about fear and anxiety and worry. Uh, on the first week, we talked about gossip and slander. Um, and uh, those were neck and neck for number one on the list. Um, we've talked about distraction. 
We've talked about bitterness and hurt and anger. And uh, Chandler taught us on jealousy and uh, self-image. We talked about pride and prejudice. We talked about um, sexual temptation. But tonight, we're going to say a few things about another pervasive struggle that we all have. One that I suppose is fittingly placed as the last topic we're going to think about this, uh, in this series. And that is procrastination. <clears throat> um, procrastination. I think this is a struggle that we all have. Um, and it might be more serious than you think. I think it's a struggle we all have. Some people have it worse than others. I confess this is one of my biggest struggles, procrastination. I procrastinated in preparing to talk with you about procrastination. I did. 4.30 today, I'm like, getting ready. I'm awful at it. I'm terrible. I got nothing to give to you tonight. Except what the Scripture says, because, man, don't don't follow my example. Uh, <laughs> So I'm not coming to you as one who is perfect or has figured all this out together. I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. Um, but, of course, that's true of everything we've talked about. I'm the one that came up with the list, for crying out loud. Um, but there are several passages we could turn to to talk about procrastination, or at least to begin, and we'll, we'll, we'll turn to several along the way. But to begin, I want us to read two verses just to uh, help set the context and help point our thoughts in the right direction when thinking about Procrastination, we'll look at one verse from the Old Testament, one verse from the New Testament. Uh, so the first one, we'll start in the Old Testament. If you want to open to Proverbs 27, you can. It'll be on the screen uh, if you don't have your Bible with you. But we'll look at uh, first Proverbs 27, 1. And there, um, the writer says, Do not boast about tomorrow. For you do not know what a day may bring. Do not boast about tomorrow. For you do not know what a day may bring. All right, then just think carefully about what that says and how, and just go ahead and be thinking in your mind what would that tell me about procrastination? Okay? Don't boast about tomorrow. You don't know what a day may bring. The New Testament passage is Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 15 and 16. Ephesians 5. I'll give you a minute to flip over there if you want to turn. Um, but the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16. These are probably familiar verses to you. But he says, look carefully then how you walk. And that just means figuratively how you live in the world. Not as unwise, but as wise what does wisdom look like. Making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. What does walking in wisdom look like in this verse? You're making the best use of the time you have in this world. Because the days are evil. So you, you put those two thoughts together. Proverbs 27.1. This Ephesians 5 passage. And it, it, if you had to summarize. God is speaking to you, both of those things to you. One of those things through the writer of the Proverbs. God was speaking to you. This one, God is speaking to you through the Apostle Paul. Two human authors, one divine author, saying both of those things to you. So you put, you put those two things together, and I, I suppose the admonition that we receive from those two verses from God would 
be something like this. Don't bank on tomorrow because we, we're not in control of tomorrow. So be wise and make the best use of right now. Okay? We don't, don't bank on tomorrow. We don't, we don't, we're not in control of tomorrow. So be wise and make the best use of right now. And the next moment, that moment, and that moment, and that moment. Make the best use of the present time. Now, I think, I think we resonate some with that, with that truth, but putting into practice, we, we stumble over it. Now, I know that all people are not created the same in the sense that um, some people don't feel like that they're procrastinators at all. Some of you in this room might feel like, that's not me. I, uh, you know, when, like when it comes to, to schoolwork, they're, they're the ones who get their papers or projects done way early, you know, while everybody else is cramming to get it done the night, the hour, the minute before. Um, I am in the second category of people. I can remember in seminary um, trying to finish 40-page research papers, like, at 3 a.m. with like 60 books around me. And they got bookmarks and pencils stuck in them or they're flipped open so I don't, and the things are underlined. And I got like 30 journal articles like sitting on the back of my chair and like on the arms and, and, and everything. And, I, and I'm just pecking away at 3 a.m. trying to finish this thing and footnotes and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just utterly miserable in the process. <laughs> like, and I'm not finding any joy in what can conceivably be a joyful process and a learning process for me and me growing. And look at all these things I get to learn. Why was I doing that at 3 a.m.? Because it was due at 6 a.m., you know, and I had procrastinated. And, um, and maybe that's you, um, but it's not everybody. And I can remember having classmates <laughs> on campus Southern Seminary that that same paper that I was cramming at 3 a.m. to get done. They got done with it three weeks ago. And uh, a lot of times it actually made me on the verge of resentful toward those people. <laughs> Why? And that's my fault. It's not their fault. They're smart. Um, but if you're that person that gets their paper done two weeks at a time, and you are super on top of all your responsibilities, uh, A, kudos to you, right? Don't ever change. Um, but B, you might not feel like procrastination is a struggle of yours, but I'm going to bet that it actually might be. And uh, it just might be that you're only thinking about procrastination in a very narrow sense. All right, so here's what I want to do for a minute tonight is just think about procrastination from three different angles. Uh, I'm not going to take a long time to do it because it's, it's not complicated. It doesn't take a long time to explain procrastination. Um, I want to think about it, from, though, from three different angles. Maybe a couple of angles that you, one angle that you go, oh, yeah, that's what I mean by procrastination. Maybe a couple of angles ago, well, I never thought about it like that. Um, and, then, and then think about, think about them from a, from a gospel uh, vantage point. Because um, the goal isn't just to learn more about how sinful and broken we are, but to learn how richly redeemed we are. Um, so here's, here's, here's how I want to lay it out. I want to first say a word about how we procrastinate in our work. That's the obvious. We procrastinate in our work. Some of you may not, but most of us do. Um, 
all of us at some point, though, feel the temptation to put off work that we know we should do. We procrastinate in our work, but that's not the only way we procrastinate. Another way that I'm going to say that we're guilty of procrastination is in this way. We procrastinate in our relationships. Ooh, maybe never thought about that one. Um, I want to point out at least two ways that, uh, that I think this happens. Uh, that I'm, I'm very confident there are probably more ways than just the two ways that I'm going to point out. The reason I don't, I'm not going to point out more than two is probably because I procrastinated and didn't have time to think of more than two. Um, but there are two common ways that this happens. Procrastinate in our relationships. And the last angle is we procrastinate in our discipleship. Now I'll try to explain what I mean by that and how it shows up in our lives. And by the end of it, it will be probably clear that we procrastinate in one way or another. And maybe in a lot of ways. But it's an important weakness and one we need to get a handle on. So let's think first about procrastinating in our work. That's the most obvious struggle that we have. We procrastinate. We put off until later obligations we have. Work that we have to do. An assignment we have to do. Studying, preparing for said assignment. Um, or some obligation outside of school. Have, you ever, have you, any of you ever heard of Garfield? Okay, I just never know what generation I'm in. Um, Garfield. I used to have little Garfield cartoons. And I don't remember. I just, I, the one that always sticks out to me, Garfield was a fat, lazy cat laying there, and he's like, uh, it, a little thought bubble. He was like saying, uh, never do today what you can put off till tomorrow. You know, that's, it's, we're, all, we're all Garfields. Um, and this is, this, procrastinating your work, like having an assignment or having an obligation or some job or whatever, uh, and you, you just put it off. That is by far the most common kind of laziness and procrastination. Not just in, and we know that not just in our experience, but because that's our experience, that's the most common kind of laziness and procrastination talked about in the Bible. Uh, the Proverbs, man, are all over it. Like, let me just give you one little flavor from the Proverbs. This is what we read in Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> man, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Jeez, Proverbs. Um, but it's true. And there's a couple of reasons I think that that's true. Um, in our hearts while we have such a, such a, such a struggle uh, with this one reason is, is because of something we already talked about early in the semester and that's distraction I think distraction is related to this struggle of procrastination I know I need to do this or I know I need to do that uh, but every time I sit down I end up just looking at my phone and I pick up my book and I concentrate on it for maybe, maybe two minutes. Maybe two. And then I'm back on my phone for 20. You know, then I pick back up the book, minute and a half, phone, phone for the rest of the day. <laughs> you know, and then I'll just do it tomorrow. So, like, 
that's one reason why we, why we procrastinate, because it's just so easy and addicting to be mindlessly distracted. Our phones make it worse. But it's easy to be, it's easy to be, think about that biblically. That's what I want to do in this. I, let's, we don't just say it just because it's your experience. No, try to understand your experience from the Scriptures. Why is it so easy to not do work and to be mindlessly distracted for hours on end? You know, you dread the little, your screen time this week was up 8% from last week. You know, crap. Uh, so, why is it so easy? Well, the deeper reason that, that, that distraction is such a problem that leads to procrastination, the deeper reason is work is hard. Okay? And I'm not just saying a, a, a general experiential truth. Scripturally speaking, work is hard. Being on top of things is hard. Uh, uh, and, 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 and I mean that in a spiritual sense, because think back to the early chapters of Genesis. Don't overlook Genesis. Don't overlook the first few chapters of Genesis. The first few chapters of Genesis make sense of the world you live in. Think back to those early chapters. Uh, and when God created Adam and Eve, or Adam at least, Eve wasn't there yet, when He created Adam and He put him in the garden before sin entered into the world, before sin broke the world, what did, he, what did he say to Adam? What did he do with Adam when he put him in that garden? Genesis 2.15 says he put him there to work it and to keep it. So work is not a result of sin in the world. It's not like Adam was just kicking back doing nothing and he sinned. All right, your punishment is you got to do work. No, he was given work to do when everything was not just good, but very good. Work is a, is a pleasurable thing in God's creation. We're wired to be productive. We're wired to do things, and do things that matter, and do things that, that are important. We find joy in it. We find contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment in it. And we know that deep down. Even, even the dirty, rotten sinners that we are, we know that. Like, how many times, and if this has never happened to you, I want you come to me and I'll pray for you specifically. But how many times have you like had some time off and <laughs> you just like sat down and didn't do anything for a long time? You just watched Netflix or you or whatever, just hours, like a whole day. In the morning it felt good, but about Eight o'clock that night, you're like, I'm a worthless human being. <laughs> you know, like, and it just gets depressing after a while. You know, you're depressed. You feel like I've just, I've wasted a whole day. Or I've wasted a week. Like, I've done nothing. And, 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 and why do you feel that way? Because you're not meant to be that way. You know that even as a sinner. Like we're, we find real joy when we feel like we've accomplished something. And, and because God created us that way, work is a good thing. But what happened, so he was given work to do when, it, the, work, when the world was good, but what happened to work when sin entered, sin entered into the world? When Adam sinned, God said to Adam in, in Genesis 3, because you have, he says, uh, because you've, blah, 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 look at the third line, end of the third line, cursed is the ground. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. 
thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, and for, dust, for, you, for you are dust, and to dust you will return. Work was already there, but when sin came in the world, work got hard. He was eating bread before the fall. Now he's still eating bread, but it's by the sweat of his face. You see? The ground, was, the ground still grows stuff, but it's cursed, and you've got you to gotta hoe a little harder, a little more often. Weeds, right? So, and here's the thing. We live between the times. We still live in that broken world and 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 so work the ground is still cursed and and we still earn and do it's it's it doesn't come easy it takes it takes effort mental and physical effort and by the sweat of our face we do anything that's worthwhile and it it will be that way until jesus comes back work work will not be completely unmixed won't be a completely unmixed a joyful thing again until Jesus comes back. But until that time, you're between the times. You're a believer. You have have recognized your sin against God and and, and you're ever ever learning more ways in which you have sinned against God and the depth of your sin that you've been committed, you've been forgiven. You are a person who has come to Jesus Christ Say, my life, everything about my life has been wayward. This is one of those ways. Redeem me, Lord. Redeem everything about me. Make me more like Jesus. And until that time that Jesus comes back, the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives to sanctify us, to make us not what we were, into what He wants us to be, into what He's making us to be. Jesus, even now, behold, I am making all things new. Revelation chapter 1. He's making us new. And He's progressively making us more like Christ in our hearts and on our actions and our words. And whenever we procrastinate, we're falling back on the curse. Because we're, we're just surrendering to the fact that work is hard. We're surrendering to it. And we procrastinate and we avoid work because it's a struggle. We don't, we don't fight to, to live a redeemed life and overcome it. We're just not living a redeemed life when we procrastinate. I'm not living a redeemed life when I procrastinate. I'm not saying I'm not redeemed. I am redeemed. That's the whole point. I'm not living like it. I'm not living the life that God has called me to live, redeemed me to live, and equipped me to live by His Holy Spirit. On top of the fact, I'm not living a redeemed life when I procrastinate. It's other consequences come with that that are also sin. Like, we very often sacrifice excellence in our work when we procrastinate. We, our work is not as good as it could have otherwise been. Um, and that it, that's, that's important because Scripture tells us that ought not be the case. I mean, you know 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Write a paper to the glory of God. Do a project to the glory of God. I was not doing that. It was not glorifying God that I was sacrificing healthy sleep of my body when I was up at 3 a.m. pecking away at a paper. 
That was not glorifying to God. I was paying for it. Or Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're to do our work not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. The quality of whatever it is we do suffers when we procrastinate. And we don't work diligently and work hard as to the Lord and for the glory of God in it. So that's sin when we procrastinate. And then further on top of that, not only are we not living a redeemed life, not only are we not sacrificing excellence, but we are actually presuming upon God when we put off until a later time what we should have done right now. We're presuming upon God. We're familiar with what James says in James 4. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. Ding, 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 that's the word. You boast in your arrogance. I boast in my arrogance. All such boasting is evil. He's saying procrastination or banking on future time. Isn't that what procrastination is? Aren't you banking on future time? Future time that is not yours? That somebody else is going to have to provide for you, namely God? Banking on that future time, God says, that's arrogant. That's arrogant. So think about how you're using your time with regard to normal, everyday obligations. I'm not going to this, this, give you like practical tips and how-tos because I don't have them. I don't have them. I'm awful at this. But Jonathan Edwards, you may have heard, if you were here back in January, I, I taught Sunday school one morning and I, right after the new year, and I, I uh, gave this quote. It's not going to be on the screen, but just listen to it. About 284 years, about this time of year, December, actually it was, in 1734, Jonathan Edwards, you ever heard of him? Preached a sermon on the preciousness of time. And in it, Here's what he said. If men were as lavish of their money as they are of their time, if it were as common a thing for them to throw away their money as it is for them to throw away their time, we, we, we should think them beside themselves and not in possession of their right minds. Yet time is a thousand times more precious than money. And when it is gone, cannot be purchased for money, cannot be purchased, cannot be redeemed by silver or gold. So think about how you're spending your time. And if you're doing what Paul said in, in the Ephesians passage we read at the beginning, namely making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. I have to ask myself that. Brother Al is very often saying the good is the enemy of the best. And... And it's very true, and it's all the more true when we think about the other two ways that we procrastinate. I just need to say a quick word about that, and the fact that uh, we procrastinate also in our relationships. Now, I'm not talking about dating relationships that you're in, necessarily. I'm just talking about your relationships with people in general. 
we procrastinate in those relationships in two ways one one more prominent way than the other one specific way we tend to procrastinate in relationships is when there is conflict in the relationship when there's conflict in a relationship we um, we tend to procrastinate uh, in this way if you either need to ask for forgiveness or you need to offer forgiveness to somebody we put it off we put it off we don't want to face it we tell ourselves we don't like we don't like confrontation i'm not a confrontational person and we just avoid all contact with the person you've done it you know you have i've done it we put off our obligation to be reconciled and to be reconciled quickly but the scripture says Jesus said to do that. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly. Quickly. The opposite of procrastination quickly why why quickly why come to terms quickly why why not put that off i'm I'm not a confrontational person person jesus because a he gives three three reasons perhaps one it's hindering your relationship with your brother or sister in christ um i mean it just is and it that when when there is a when there is a when you claim the name and you bear the name of Jesus and there is another person who claims uh, Christ and bears the name of Jesus and there is something between the two of you that not only harms the two of you, it speaks ill of Jesus. You bear the name of Jesus, they bear the name of Jesus, and the way that you two act together paints Jesus in a bad light. Think about that. So, come to terms quickly because it's, it's hindering your relationship with your brother or sister in Christ. And if they're a brother and sister in Christ and y'all aren't coming together quickly, it's saying something, it's just not hurting y'all, you're saying something bad about, about Jesus, whom both of you name. That would be one example, uh, uh, interestingly enough, of you taking the Lord's name in vain. That's not just cussing. It doesn't say don't speak his name in vain. It says don't take his name in vain. You're taking his name everywhere you go. And you're taking it around in a worthless way and in a sinful way when you take his name into sinful behavior like that. Anyway, uh, if it's not a brother or sister in Christ that you've got some, something between the two of you and you are not going to offer forgiveness or not going to ask forgiveness, you uh, you are putting off an opportunity to bear witness to Christ to that person. And, according to this passage, when you don't come to terms quickly, or you don't even make an effort to come to terms quickly, or you're just avoiding people, or you're just whatever, it's hindering your relationship with God, because God says, don't even come with your offering. Leave it here, go be reconciled, then come back and offer your offering. I'm saying, I'm not saying that that means you're, you're going to lose your salvation or something, but God can make your life downright miserable. 
until you learn the lesson. I've done it with me. So far as it depends on you, Paul says in Romans, live peaceably with all people. So far as it depends on you, at, at, at least part of it depends on you. So you can't ignore it and hope it goes away. So one way we procrastinate in relationships is in conflict resolution. But another common way we do it, maybe, it's on the flip side of that. And it's not, you know, it's not as painful. It's just but another way to be aware of. Like, when the Holy, maybe it's when the Holy Spirit puts it in your heart to do something kind and generous to somebody or for somebody. And we put it off and we put it off. And sometimes the idea fades and we never get around to doing it. It was a kind thought, but I just never got around to doing it. Never got around to doing that act of kindness, that kind act of generosity. So procrastinating in that sense, withheld a blessing from somebody, and in withholding that blessing from that somebody, it withheld a blessing from you. So you forfeit blessing for yourself <laughs> sometimes in procrastinating and, and uh, putting off doing something kind or generous for someone. So we procrastinate in our relationships. But there's one more way that we procrastinate that we at least need to acknowledge, and I won't say a ton about because it's, again, none of this is complicated. We just need to be aware of it. And that is that we procrastinate in our discipleship. And what I mean by that is we procrastinate in disciplining ourselves in the spiritual disciplines. We procrastinate in, in disciplining ourselves in the spiritual disciplines and, and other habits of grace. That would lead us to greater spiritual growth and spiritual maturity and faithfulness to Christ. In the passage that we're going to study this coming Sunday in Sunday school in Hebrews, uh, the author tells the people in Hebrews uh, 5.12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Every day counts. And you, here's the thing, here's the procrastination in this regard. You cannot assume that you will get serious about following Christ at some time in the future. Let's go ahead and lay that out there. You cannot assume that I will get serious about following Christ at some later time in the future. When I'm, when I'm out of college or next year or when I'm married or when this or when that because that's not at all how it works that's not at all how it works why so because that that view of things i will get serious about following christ at some time in the future that view is totally absent of the truth that sanctification is a work of god in your life that view says it's something I get around to doing. Sanctification is something God does in you, just like He justifies you. And the, the reality is the longer you put off following Christ, the longer you following hard, the longer you put off the spiritual disciplines in your life, meaning getting in the Word, being diligent in prayer, being in the fellowship of the church, not just as an optional thing, but as a necessary thing for your growth in Christ, for your testimony of being a believer and a follower of Christ, 
the, the longer you put those things off, the harder your heart becomes in the process. So when you get to that later point, that you ever, whatever arbitrary later point you set for yourself, by the time you get there, your heart is, heart is harder, and there is no longer any desire when you get there to follow hard after Christ. I'll, I'll follow hard. So let me get through my freshman year. That when you get to, when you, if that's your attitude. When you're a sophomore, desire is gone. So what did the Hebrews 3 passage say that we looked at a couple of Sundays ago if you were here? It said this, today, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today. So see the time that God gives you for the valuable treasure that it is. It's a gospel issue to... It's a gospel issue to not procrastinate in your work because God, God in Christ is redeeming you from the curse of the ground. And when you procrastinate because work is hard, you are being Adam. You're, not being, you're being like Adam, you're not being like Christ. And it's a gospel issue because you sacrifice excellence and you're not doing it as to the Lord and not to men, and you're not doing your work to the glory of God. It's a gospel issue. Christ is redeeming you. And procrastinating in your relationships is a gospel issue because it bear, you bear the name of Christ and how you, how you deal even with hard conflict in your relationships bears on Christ. And certainly, procrastinating in discipleship will either draw you closer to Christ or push you away from Him. So that's something that we, uh, we need to get a hold of in our life. Will we ever be perfect at it? No, not until Jesus comes back. But we can be aware of it and fight with all our might against it. Let's pray and then we'll break up in our groups and, and pray together.